Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. This is like our 19th podcast in 19 days. Uh, that's not true at all, but it seems like it because we have been dedicated to getting you guys content during this corona virus. Uh, Joe, I feel like we're trying to make this an every damn day thing for people. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'll say it this way. I don't think we're trying. We just we just are. It just makes sense to do it right now. So we're going to do it. Well, and we're not people to rest on our laurels, if you will. No. Like, I don't know if that's the right term for this, but the reality is if you have time, do it. We've always said we want to do more podcasts. Yeah. Said, well, now we have time, so why not? Yeah. Um, and it's a way for us to communicate with people. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are struggling right now because they're looking for a sense of normalcy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was I was talking to my neighbor uh, earlier today, and it's funny for people that that go to the gym every day and eat healthy. They're freaking out because their thing's been taken away. Yeah, it's like you take the pacifier away from a baby, and their sense of normalcy is being destroyed because you used to wake up at five thirty every morning to work out, and that's what kept you anchored or kept you locked in or started your day. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, everything's in chaos and people are struggling. So hopefully we can do our part by at least giving people some free content to listen to and help guide them a little bit better. Um, We've got to pay some bills. So we are sponsored this episode by Lalo Tactical. And uh, I've got an exciting thing for you guys. So hopefully you're listening to this in real time. If you use the code Maximus 50, you'll get 50 percent off. Yes, I said it. Half price off a grinder, which is the Maximus shoe, a Bloodbird, or a Zodiac, which is like a running shoe. Mm-hmm. So if you want 50% off, it's Maximus50 from Lalo, L-A-L-O dot com. We're also sponsored by 10,000, a wonderful clothing company. If you're going to be training every day, you're going to need some new shorts, shirts, things like that. Go to 10,000.cc. It's spelled T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, like the words 10,000.cc. Go there. Use the code Maximus15 for a discount. Now that that's done, Joe, we're going to talk about failing stuff today. Let's do it. Let's fail. Yeah, I, I want to start with a story here because this is like really important to me. Mm-hmm. So UFC 53, I'm backstage, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go, and I'm fighting in an arena of 20,000 people. You've heard this story before. Oh, yeah. And I, I started freaking out, all kinds of negative self-thoughts. Uh, I'm not good enough to be here. There's 20,000 people that are going to laugh at me. My girlfriend's going to dump me. Um, if I lose, uh, I'm going to lose my job with the Toronto Police Service, like all kinds of irrational shit. Went out and I lost that fight badly. Like I just, it was the worst I've ever fought. I, I didn't know what was happening. It's actually the first fight I really lost, Joe. Right. Um, you, you know, from a from a like a, like an official fight standpoint, I'd lost some other fights before that amateur level and things like that. But um, that was like the first official fight that was like going to count on my record. And I didn't know what to do. Like failing at that moment was really really hard for me. And I didn't no, like I was second in the world for kickboxing. Uh, I, I was a Canadian jiu-jitsu champion. I was on the Olympic ladder for wrestling. It's like I couldn't – I didn't think I could get any better fighting-wise. Right. I was also really fit. I worked out all the time. I was doing 1,500 pull-ups, dips, and push-ups a week. Like I, I couldn't get more fit and I was stifled. So I ended up uh, – a couple of friends of mine, George St. Pierre, Rich Franklin, and, and Tom Murphy, they told me to go see this sports psychologist, Brian Kane, who I started working with. Uh, help me unlock negative self-talk, uh, help me deal with self-imposed limitations and fast forward ultimate fight night five, working with this guy for a couple months. I won a fight. I probably shouldn't have won one submission of the night, my career's sailing. So what did I do? I fired Brian and didn't work with him anymore. (laughs) So come to UFC 62. Uh, I always get it confused 62 and 63, but it was actually 62. Uh, and it was Chuck Liddell versus, uh, Babalu. And backstage, Mandalay Bay, Joe Silva, matchmaker of the UFC, comes up to me, tells me if I win this fight, I'm going to get a huge fight next one. I freak out and I lose again. Got my contract cut from the UFC. That failing moment, and this is what this whole story has been leading up to, was I think the defining moment in my whole life because I realized at that moment – and by the way, Joe, I was choked unconscious. 
Like mm-hmm. I didn't, like I was out for the count. I remember laying on my back and, and Herb Dean was like trying to wake me up and I tried to kick him. I was fucking terrified. I didn't know where I was, who I was. Uh, I don't know if anyone listening has been put to sleep before, but it's a weird thing when you, when you wake up out of it. Um, have you ever had that Joe? Uh huh. <laughs> like it's just like you come to and you're like, man, you, you're like trying to throw a punch at whoever the first person you see is. Um, but I, uh, uh, at that moment, I realized that dealing with negative self talk, that dealing with low self esteem, that dealing with this stuff would be a lifelong battle. And if I would have won that fight, I think overall it would have been better for my fight career. But the trajectory I'm on now, helping other people. Uh, the podcast, um, you know, the mental game of working out. I don't know if that ever would have came about if I would have won that fight. I think for me that failing in that moment taught me more than any other thing in my entire life. If that makes sense to you. Yeah. But I don't think it's, it's the failing in itself, right? Because you could have just failed and then just stayed that guy. And just stayed in that moment and never changed and been like, well, I lost that fight. I'll never be a fighter. And then just given up on fighting and and gone, got your job at your 7-Eleven. And that's where you'd be to this day. Not different from the guy that lost that first fight. But the, the fact is, like, you took that moment and instead of saying, this defines me, you've said, this identifies my weakness and started to address it. And that process of now uh, of changing, of taking that failure and turning it into something, that's why you're a different person now than you were then. And so I think that's like the moral of, of the story and what, what we'll be getting at in this, this conversation, in this podcast, is that you can't allow your past failures to define you. Your actions today is what defines you. I mean, the only moment in, in life that we have any control over is the present moment. And so how you're reacting to the things in your past determines who you are, not the things that happened in your past. Yep. Or else you'd still be technically unconscious, lying in the ring and just limping through life with no clue. That's true. So what I'm what I'm taking from that is there's a lot of people out there who talk about how failing is a pivotal moment in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Where you hear these people, and I say it too, that failing is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Failing is where you really learn your lessons that like a what's this phrase? A kid falls down 19 times and gets up 20. He's a champion, right? Yeah. Like never does a kid fall down and say maybe walking isn't for me. I've heard of all these things, mm-hmm. but it's missing something. And the thing that's missing is really, and the most important thing is what you do after that failure. Yeah, exactly. Because if you just fail and, and let it go, well, no, failing sucks, right? Yeah. Like. For, for failing to be the best thing that ever happened to you, you have to know how to deal with failure and learn from it and rise above it. You can't just fail and keep failing and, and that's the path to success. All right. But I mean also think about that. It's not like you, you fell once. You fell twice. You know, you fell 19 times. I mean imagine if, if your goal was to, to become a lawyer and you went to law school and like maybe, maybe you just went to take the, the LSAT to take the test and you didn't do well and you're just like, ah, screw it. Or how many times did it take to pass that test? 10, 15, 20, you finally pass it. Now you got to apply to colleges, you know, and then it takes not just one. It's not like, it's not like every lawyer took the test once applied to the school of their dreams, got accepted and then became a lawyer just because they were good at it. It's like, it takes multiple attempts at every step along the way. You're constantly tested and this is why I, I, I've always liked this idea of, of personifying resistance and that anything you're doing in your life that is, is worthwhile is going to be faced with resistance, almost as if the universe does not want you to succeed. It's testing your resolve. Oh, you want to be a lawyer? How bad? Are you willing to, to fail this test three times and then take it a fourth? Are you willing to apply to two schools, five schools, a hundred schools? Are you are you willing to go to a school that's maybe you even think is below you just so that you can get the education you need, just so that you can pass the bar, just so you can say I'm a lawyer? Like everything is going to be faced with resistance. And and if you do anything that's not faced with resistance, it's probably not a worthy pursuit. You know, nothing in life uh, that that's worthwhile comes easy. Like you, you should have to work for things. And so think about even your fight career. If you just won every fight you ever walked into, 
I mean, would you really be that great of a fighter? I mean, honestly, like and, until you've had to pick yourself up off the mat a couple of times, until you've had to realize that you're not invincible. I mean, unless for fuck's sake, you goddamn are, which nobody has been so far in the history of ever. Right. Yeah. I mean, even even to a degree like Floyd Mayweather's never lost, mm-hmm. but he's been hit hard before. Mm-hmm. He's had to deal with stuff before. You know what I mean? He's had some tough fights. It's not like it's been easy for him to do that. No, no. And that's that's even more pressure. I mean, think about it now. Here you are kind of on top of the world and you've got this impressive fight record and everybody's gunning for you. Yep. You know, like that that's a whole another kind of test of like how long can you maintain it? Because well, the answer and, is not forever. And the other side of the coin is he's probably faced failure in other areas of his life. Mm-hmm. And if you learn to deal with failure in one area of your life, you could probably use it to deal with failure in another area of your life. So even if you're, you're, you're Michael Jordan, you're the greatest basketball player to ever live. There's probably some things that Mike ain't so great at Yeah, that have influenced his basketball career, even if they're seemingly completely unrelated, right? Like you, you go through the struggle of, and I always say this about fitness, Joe, you're in the gym. You're trying to figure out how to get lean. You're trying to figure out how to lose weight. You're trying to figure out how to get stronger. You're trying to get, you know, figure out how to get more fit. The repeated cycle of, of failing and achieving and failing and achieving and failing and achieving. There's no reason that can't transfer over to your corporate job. Yeah, not at all. In fact, it should, (laughs) if it it doesn't, you're missing the point. Right. Or like you could learn something from your marriage that makes you a better parent. Mm-hmm. You can learn something from being a better parent that makes you better at your job. Yeah. You know, like it's just it, – it's an interesting thing to me. So let's talk about – I want to quiz you a little bit um, okay. on – OK, here I am. I'm at home. I'm listening to this podcast and I am a fucking failure. Like I, I – I, my marriage failed or or I got fired from my job or or I got laid off or I was expendable or – I tried to lose 20 pounds and I didn't. Whatever that goal was, I fell short. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing I'm going to do to help turn that failure into an eventual success? Now, one, you've got to accept it. You know, like you have to understand that that happened and you can't change the past. Okay. So, here, so here you are. Because people will stay in a state of denial. Well, I would have been successful except for something that was outside of my control. I could have lost the weight if I really dedicated myself to it, but I just, I guess I just don't want it that bad. Like that bullshit. Like, except the fact you tried, you failed. Can I reword that? Yeah. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to make a little list here while we're talking. Cause okay. this is really good. Um, and we could actually put it in the show notes for people, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I, I want to reword that and say, uh, accept it. AKA don't make excuses. Right. Yeah, like, no, blame. We don't have to worry about blame. There's there's no place for blame in this. All right. So don't make excuses. Take ownership of the mm-hmm. situation. There's no blame. There's one person to blame and that's you. Yep. Would that be a fair way to I mean, is that how you accept it? Because the other thing is, is accept it. Well, what does that mean? Like, yeah, I failed. Like, yeah, I acknowledged it. But I think acknowledging it is different than accepting it. I think I think you need both, though. You know what I mean? Because if you if you're in denial that it ever happened, that you can't move on from it either. Like you have to acknowledge the failure. You have to accept that that's in the past and that it cannot be changed. It's it's a it's a past event. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm wired differently because. Okay, so whatever you want to call it, you get divorced. It was a failed marriage, right? Like you can make excuses, but it, it failed. You get fired from your job for a lack of performance. Shit, you can make all the excuses you want, but it's pretty clear you got fired. Like I, I feel like not accepting it would be uh, your wife divorcing you and you keep showing up at her door. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a word for that. It's called stalking. Yeah, but um, you that, know that's a problem too, right? That's somebody who just refuses to acknowledge what happened, or you get fired. And you just keep showing up and at work. I, I will say too, like you don't have to take all the blame upon yourself because again, it, this isn't about blame. You just accept that this is an event and it's in the past. 
So your yep. marriage failed. Are you to blame? I mean, did you cheat? Were you a bad you know, spouse? That That's not even necessarily part of what we're getting at just yet. First, you just have to say the marriage failed. Yep. The marriage failed. The marriage is over. It is in the past. Because okay. the next step is to start looking at reasons why. So I'm going to write this down. I'm going to say critical assessment. That's good. I like that. Because – and I say critical, Joe, because there's a way, I guess, to be not critical. And I don't mean critical in terms of criticism, like you're bad or you're not good or you're – and that's how most people take it. I'm saying critical in terms of you're going to take a top-to-bottom analytical, well-thought-out, logical – you're going to take an assessment of what happened and come up with the real reasons for your failure. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, 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 it's well, funny. What, let's be honest. Like what you're trying to figure out is where the weak link is. You know, is there is there a particular thing that you need to address as as a person to avoid repeating those mistakes? Right. So, so you're looking for something tangible. You're looking for something that that you can work on. Yeah, I think. For sure. I was uh, a story comes to mind for me. Uh, I think I've said this before on the podcast. One of my police friends, his wife was divorcing him because mm-hmm. he didn't seem invested in the marriage. And he was livid, like bad mouthing her. She's disloyal, all this stuff. And I looked at him and said, it sounds like her main issue is you don't spend enough time with her. You don't put effort into the marriage. And he's like, well, it's bullshit. I do. And I was like, how many times do you drink after shift with the boys instead of going home to your wife? Mm-hmm. When you have days off, do you spend the time with your wife and your kids or do you go golfing? I see on your on your phone all the time, like you're calling people from work. You ever call your wife from work? You ever write her a note and leave it under her pillow? And he really, Joe, did not have questions to these answers. Like <laughs> you don't you don't even do the dishes for her. You don't like – because people show love in different ways. I don't know if you've ever heard the love language thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like maybe the way you show love is not writing notes. Maybe you do the dishes every day. Maybe maybe you you every time you come home from work, you ask your wife if she needs something. Maybe you rub her back. Maybe you – I mean there's a bunch of different ways you can show love. Maybe it's gifts. Mm-hmm. And it's not like one way is better than the other. But imagine you did nothing and that's what this guy did, nothing. It's like, well, maybe you're the problem, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it sounds to me like and, – and I finally said, I go, why would she want to be in this? Doesn't sound like she gets much from it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of had an epiphany um, and you know, went to her and like apologized and, and they fixed stuff and they ended up together and it was a beautiful, happy story. And it was another saved marriage for my uh, <laughs> uh, couple's counseling business. Um, but you know, for real, it's like at first he was in such – I wouldn't even say denial. It was just like he knew it was ending, but he was unwilling to do a critical assessment of what was really wrong. Yeah. Right. It just was her fault. Yep. Well, well like, yeah. Again, not 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 necessarily accepting that this is the situation. Because, again, well, it's it's not about who is right, who is wrong, because you, you'll never get past that. You know, I think back to like uh, things in my life, uh, even selling my gym. You know, there was a lot of hurt feelings during that time. And like who was right, who was wrong. In the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who was right and who was wrong because it's in the past. And what I have to do is say, well, okay, look, uh, what what can I learn from that negative experience? Like, what can I take away? You know, where where even if the other person was completely a hundred percent wrong, and I did everything exactly the way that I should have, it still didn't seem right to me. Is there somewhere in my processing that I can improve as a person? What weakness does this expose to me? That's the important thing. Because if you, you want to just sit around and pass blame, like that's easy. Just blame the other guy. Then you don't have to feel bad at all. And I think that's what a lot of people fall into is I've had a failure. Oh, I couldn't lose weight because my trainer was an idiot. You know, he needed to be following me around slapping donuts out of my mouth. And, and, and he didn't do that. So it's his fault. Right. That's funny. <laughs> I, I, I've heard that before. I've had people try to blame me. Uh huh. Nope. Not my fault. Like. I'm sorry I'm not with you Friday night preventing you from drinking alcohol. Yeah. I'm sorry that I didn't that you didn't do the homework that I gave you on the weekend. By the way, I told you very clearly if you did these things you wouldn't lose weight. Yeah. Not my fault, not my problem. 
moving on. But this, this whole thing, I was actually thinking of the deadlift. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of, of working out, Joe. Weird. So you go, you go to deadlift, <laughs> right? Yeah, weird because I frame everything in terms of deadlifting. Um, uh, coincidentally, I'm actually being charged legally. I had to call Sarah. Uh, <laughs> because so yesterday I tried to deadlift one rep max and and I dropped the bar and it caused a five point seven earthquake in Utah and now they're trying to fucking come after me for all kinds of damages and stuff. Bobby, so Bobby, Bobby, you shouldn't be joking about this. People were really shaken up. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> I so that funny. was the greatest thing I've ever typed <laughs> in my life. I was dying. I dropped my phone. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> It was pretty. It was pretty comfortable. I'm a witty guy. I uh, I got to take credit for that one. These, so so to a little context here. These are some of the conversations Bobby and I have via text. <laughs> I can't I can't remember how it went down. You made a joke about the earthquake, and I said, Joe, it's a bad time to joke around. People are pretty shaken up. It seems like the right thing to say. You know, try to be uh, okay. But let's let's get back to it. So with the deadlift now, uh, there's I'm I'm going to say there's basic three areas. Uh, where you can fail on the deadlift, your grip, mm-hmm. your uh, posterior chain, like your hamstrings, mm-hmm. or we'll call it your low back, like your ability to close or your hips. Yeah. Uh, or, you, you know, you word it a bit different way, the pull off the ground, the close above the knees and the grip, whatever, yeah. however you want to phrase this. So I go to deadlift today and I fail. Mm-hmm. First of all, what I don't want to do is just say, oh, I failed. I'm not strong enough. That doesn't help me do shit. Yeah, no. I need to do some critical assessment. Was it my grip? Was it my hamstrings? Was it my low back? Was it my inability to close? Was it my – because there's an answer for all that, Joe. If yeah. you have a hard time pulling the deadlift off the ground – oh, and by the way, if you don't know a thing about working out, uh, just try to play along um, and understand what we're saying. But let's say you can't pull the deadlift off the ground. The answer is to do deficit work. Yep. Okay, and even if you don't know what deficit work is, just know that that's the answer. Yep. If you can't close from the knees, do some rack pulls. Mm-hmm. Like that's the answer. But I find what people do, Joe, is rather than do a critical assessment and isolate the thing that's really wrong, they make the problem suit the answer that they're really looking for. Yes. So to take this a step further, if you're into yoga, guess what your answer to everything is? Do more yoga. Do well, stretch. Be more flexible. Yeah, yep. The answer. If you're into powerlifting stuff, well, you got to get stronger. Mm-hmm. You're great, except that doesn't help me fight in a cage, pal. Yep. And, and listen, I've been through this, Joe. Like, if you're into kettlebells, guess what the answer is? You need to swing a kettlebell. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, cool. I mean, I remember this actually happened to me. I was working out a good life in Canada, and I'm busting out fucking pull-ups, dips, push-ups in this this fat dude comes up to me and starts lecturing me how I'm training all wrong for the UFC and I need to do kettlebell swings. <laughs> my response was I flippantly took off my oversized headphones and I go, what the fuck's a kettlebell? <laughs> it ended the conversation. Anyway, like, and look at you. Why would I want to do this? Like it clearly yeah, yeah. doesn't work. I was in a, in a mood, you know, but the, the whole thing is, is is you're going to you're carrying around your hammer and every nail you see the nail being the problem your hammer is the answer to it yeah yeah but that's not necessarily the case you know what i mean because what if what if you come up across a screw maybe the hammer doesn't work Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so well that's i like using the example of of deadlifting because i that that does point out kind of my mentality in in all things, and and it does also talk to the heart of of like our message that that what we do in the gym translates because that's exactly right. Like I have this goal, my goal is to lift this deadlift, and maybe lifting that deadlift is part of a larger goal of like I am trying to be a UFC fighter. But my goal for that moment was to pick that deadlift up, and I failed right above my knees. So what does that tell me? What does that tell me I need to work on? Like what what exercises can I do? And then you, you come up with a plan that addresses that weakness, and then you retest it. And if nothing's changed, okay, that was the wrong plan. And you try something else. But eventually you find the thing, and then you, you, you increase the weight that you can lift, and you've gotten a little bit stronger. And now you have a new fail point. You, know, you have a, a new set of, of circumstances that you have to deal with. And it, it's funny because in the gym, like you can do that without even thinking about it. 
like, gosh, I could bench more if I would just do more like chest development work. And you go and you do it. And I was like, wow, I do more, more. I, I benched a, a PR today. But you go to work and you're like, well, I've been passed over for promotion three times. I guess the boss is just an asshole. Yeah. And, and you hear that a lot, right? When people get passed up for promotion, the boss is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Or here's another common one. The boss likes Joe better than me. Yeah. Now, usually it's Karen that's saying that. Mm-hmm. Because we got to bash on Karen. It's not a podcast episode <laughs> if we put Karen. But no, seriously, Joe, it's, you know, the boss likes Joe better than me. And that's that's as far as I ever go because I don't do critical assessment. Yeah. What I should be asking myself, which is a fair question, why does the boss prefer Joe to me? Yeah. Okay, wait. Let's look at this. Joe shows up earlier than me. He leaves later than me. He is on time with his assignments more than me. He does more quality work than me. He has more education and certifications than me. Huh. Maybe these are all valid reasons why the boss likes Joe better. And if I want the boss to like me, maybe I should do the same things. I mean that to me would seem the path to critical assessment. Right. Versus the blanket. Because you know what? In a way, you're not – the funny thing with that is is – as negative as it sounds, the, the boss likes Joe better than me. That person's kind of right, because getting a job is kind of a, not a popularity contest, but it is, it, a, it is a social game. It's a social game, but it kind of is a contest in a way too. You're trying to decide who you like better for the job. Yeah. If you and I are hiring somebody to be a manager for us to sell our podcast, to get us sponsors. We are literally trying to decide who we like better for the job. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong. So so the person's not wrong in terms of the boss likes Joe better than me. But what they need to do is do that critical assessment and take it a step further and then figure out why. Yeah. Or just or just accept their their middle management job and shut up. Yeah. Just shut up and, and, and not be willing to get better. So what's the third step now? Is that. But learn from your failure and reform. Like, well, what I would say is like you know now you take action. That's okay. the big thing, and that's the the deciding factor about whether you let your past define you or whether you you become something greater because of it. So so you've accepted your fail point, you've identified the fail point, like you've kind of given yourself that critical analysis, and now you've you, you know that that leads kind of naturally into coming up with well what is the fix for that, and then you actually have to do the thing, and that is probably the hardest part. And that was a lesson that you learned with your your sports psychology guy is you did the thing for a while and it seemed to work and then you stopped doing the thing. Yep. And so it's like it, it, it's not a instantaneous fix. You know, I can't just I, like you said, if you if you're failing at above the knee, you should go do some rack pulls. So, OK, I failed my deadlift. I go over to the rack. I do a set of rack pulls and then I go and I pull that deadlift like no, 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 no. You got to work on those rack pulls for a month. You know, you got to work on those rack pulls for, for two months. You really you have to PR your rack pull and then come back and try that deadlift again. And that just takes time. You know, the, yeah. the, you, you can only get stronger at such and such a rate. It's not an instantaneous thing. And so a lot of the process of addressing your weaknesses is not going to be an instantaneous. Oh, well, I fixed that problem. It's done. It's what do I need to add into my like my regular repertoire of activities that's going to help address this thing for the long term? Yep. That makes sense. Now, this could be related, though, to a lot of different things away from strength, right? Mm-hmm. Like taking action. So let's say you failed to lose 20 pounds. You tried, but you didn't do it because there's never been a shortage of people who failed at a weight loss goal. Right. If, you've, if you're listening to this and you're like, I tried to lose weight and I can't, uh, you're not alone. No. Welcome to the millions and millions and millions of people all over the world. Remember, there's there's a whole industry that exists on the premise that you've already failed and everything you've tried hasn't worked. But here's the new thing. Here's the new thing, right? So you 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 failed to lose weight. We'll do a critical assessment. What was your problem? Usually the answer is a combination of things, right? It's not always that simple. You either didn't move enough or you ate too much. <laughs> you missed one of your three easy payments. And so right? they stopped the game train. <laughs> like you didn't exercise enough or you ate too much food. Like it, it seems really simple to me. So look at it and figure out what it is. Well, you know, if you only worked out once a week, maybe that's the problem. 
How about you increase it? Yeah. Or here's the other thing. I actually had this talk uh, about gaining weight. Uh, uh, this person who had a hard time gaining weight, Joe, couldn't put on weight, saved mm-hmm. their life, couldn't put it on at all. And I'm like, well, you don't eat enough. Well, no, that can't be it. Why not? Because I think I eat enough. Well, I'm glad you think that. But in the history of science, in the history of humanity, in the history of the world, if you eat enough, you will fatten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what if I have a metabolic disorder? I don't care. There's still enough food you can eat that you will get bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's just the, the way it is, Joe. Like if you eat enough, you'll have to get bigger. Even if you're eating 6,000 calories a day, if you're not gaining weight, you're clearly not taking in enough food. Right. Eat more. You can tell yourself whatever you want. No, it well, does get complicated. I mean, maybe maybe it is a metabolic thing. You know what I mean? Maybe you're 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 dumping 6,000 calories down your gullet, but your body's only really taking up 2,000 of them. Well, there's a problem there. Yep. But you know, dumping more in, like what if you dump 12,000 down your gullet? Like now are you gaining, you know, are you up to 4,000 you're taking in? Like again, every failure has a has a, a an opportunity in it. Yeah. At some point, though, my point is you've got to gain weight at yeah. some point. I mean, you're going to have like, to. You've got to put it on, right? Now, the other side of the coin with that is maybe maybe you have to exercise less mm-hmm. because you're, 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 you're trying to gain weight and you're doing too much and burning. So it's multifaceted. The point is the solution for people is usually pretty simple. Yeah. They just refuse to accept that there's actually a thing – called that it's called Occam's razor yeah that and I think in plain English what that means is that oh here we go Occam's razor is a problem-solving principle that states the entities should not be multiplied without necessity in other words the simplest solution is normally the most the likely solution yeah solution right like if you're not gaining weight you're probably not eating enough food. Mm-hmm. You can come up like so. Here's here's it in 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 scientific Occam's Razor says that when presented with competing hypotheses or hypotheses or however the fuck you say that word that make the same predictions, one should select the solution with the fewest assumptions. Yes, easy, right? So uh, let's let's talk about why you're fat. Yeah. I guess you could assume you have some rare metabolic disorder that no one on the planet has. Yeah, yeah. That you could be one of the 8 billion people that are affected by this thing. That you have malaria. That you have yeah. – that you have like all well, I, these- I saw your test results, Bobby. You've got like hepatitis A, hepatitis B, the HIV. <laughs> Polio, lupus, typhoid fever, uh, bubonic right, plague. Right. Look back on his Instagram to get that inside joke. <laughs> I can't believe people thought I had that for real. And I can't believe that, that people were angry. Uh, okay, guys, it's like humor. Like it's yeah. what I do. Um, but uh, like it's funny back to the weight loss thing. You won't accept that it could be your exercise or eating habits. That's too simple. You've got to come up with some convoluted solution of, of or convoluted reason why you, you have a problem. But that's going to prevent you from taking this action. So when you learn from your failure, you go through this process, accept it. Don't make excuses. Take some ownership. Do a critical assessment. Feel like you have to figure out why you failed. But then when it comes to take action, I don't think – and here's what I'm getting at with this Occam's razor. I don't think, Joe, that the the, 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 the solution in taking answer – I don't think you should do the most complicated thing. Right. Like what are what are three simple things that you can do to get better right now and do those things? Yeah. Well, that's what I generally speaking, when I'm working with a, a client and they come up and they say, well, you know, I, I'm trying to do a, a body transformation. I want to drop fat. I want to gain muscle. Um, what do I need to do with nutrition? Uh, you know, do I need to hire a nutritionist? Do I need to go get a blood panel? Like, what should I do? And my answer is, well, why don't you just tell me three things that you could be doing better right now? Yeah. And usually within three minutes, they're going to give me three really good things. And it's like, yeah. well, well, why don't why don't we try those for the next four weeks? And we'll check back and see how they're going and we'll see what's going on. You know, and, it, and it's like, well, I'm going to try to sleep more. I'm going to try to eat vegetables at every meal and I'm going to try to eat out less. Great. Those are three things. At the end of a month, what's changed? Have you followed those three rules? And they're like, yeah, and I've lost 15 pounds. Great. <laughs> like, we don't need to go get a blood panel just yet, you know, 
Or, or no, actually, uh, I haven't lost weight. Well, have you quit eating out? Nope. Well, okay, let's focus on that one for a little while. Yeah, but keep I mean, it like, simple. Keep it simple. It doesn't have to be crazy, crazy uh, uh, out there. I, I, I actually this this reminds me of a, a client I used to work with online, um, and this was a guy who was was training hard, wasn't particularly strong. He was following sort of a, a, a powerlifting uh, system, and the coach had prescribed like odd percentages. Like 67%, 73% of your one rep max. And it was like, well, the guy's one rep max, like deadlift, was 200 pounds. So does the, the, the you know, one or two percent actually even make a difference in the program? But he was, in, he was like, no, it's like 73%. I can't get, you know, a, a 2.356 pound weight on the bar to make it an even 73. So I'm, I'm clearly not going to get the, the success that this program is intended for. And it's like, honestly, like, <laughs> just round it down, round it up. It doesn't so, really matter. So the, the, this reminds me of a guy named Eddie Hall. <laughs> so just you guys that don't know, Eddie Hall is the only person on the planet to ever deadlift 500 kilos. Mm-hmm. That's 1,200 pounds. I know that you think I'm the strongest man in the universe. He's literally twice as strong as me, Joe. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Okay, so this is like this is like I mean, I think I don't know how strong is Jojo. She's pretty strong. He is stronger than you. Then you are stronger than Jojo. Yes. Like it's it's ridiculous. You guys can't even understand how strong this man is. And so I I had the chance to hang out with him, spend a day with him, ask him questions. You know, be, be his buddy, whatever. And I'm like, I'm ready to get all the secrets of programming. Like what percentage do you lift? What's your set and rep structure? Do you follow conjugate? Like all these things. So what do you do to get strong at deadlift, Eddie? I put weight on a bar and I do six reps. Then what? I put more weight on and do six reps. Then what? I put more weight on and do six reps. Well, then what? Well, when I can't do six anymore, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Oh, what percentage of your one rep max is that? I don't know. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you put the weights on? Well, however I feel like it. Um, why, why the number six? Cause I like the number six. <laughs> would, would five work? I don't fucking know. Uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, okay. So all this shit I learned in, in my books about set and rep structure and percentage and it's all bullshit. So I just started doing sixes, Joe. Uh-huh. I can't, I can't argue progress. And it's really funny that you get these low level power lifters, these low level strength athletes, these low level gym athletes, if you will, that are talking about charts and percentages and reps and, and schemes and periodized linearization and the, 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 the modal broad domains of space and time challenges. (laughs) What what, what, what am I trying to say? Can you help? Oh, hey God! There's there's just so much angst that's built up in me over this whole thing, uh, <laughs> because I, I'm with you. It's like we're, we're guys like you're not good enough for any of that stuff to matter. And it, here's the thing: if you looked at Eddie's training log, which I'm sure he doesn't keep, but if you just if you logged for him for a week, my guess is what he's doing is probably like in line with say Prilipin's chart. You know what I mean? Like everything probably falls into that place because he's training at that high of a level. But, you know, Joe Blow, who's picked up powerlifting last year because he started it in CrossFit and kind of fell in love with it. But again, his max lift is 30 percent of his actual capacity. You know what I mean? Like like he he's probably an athlete who's capable of one day pulling a 600 pound deadlift. But right now his max is only 200. These little tiny changes in percentage are so insignificant it's like you just need to train more. You just need to put more time under the bar. You need more reps. And without any magic numbers, without any secret Smolianov program, he's going to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And and the funniest is, is with all this complicated shit, and we know the guy, by the way. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We actually know a couple of these guys. But <laughs> – Maybe a thousand of these guys. But the, 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 the thing is, Joe, is it's like funny. They will tell you that this is the only path to strength, that if it's not scientific, yet the strongest man to ever walk the fucking planet does sixes because I like the number six. 
Yeah. What the fuck? Like, dude, this is just what it takes. You don't need a complicated thing. Just do that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny that your way is better when you can only deadlift 300 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, in your way is better and, and it works and it yet all these strong men are just doing sixes or whatever the thing is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually go the other way, Joe. I'm like, okay, let, let's, let's see. Um, Larry Bird claims he used to take 30,000 shots a week. Um, yeah, I could go hire a fancy shooting coach. I could, I could do these weird drills. I could order these products on the internet to be in the NBA, or I could just take 30,000 shots a week. Right. I'm just going to do what they do. Right. Like if you look at the best person in the world, there's probably something they're doing right. You know, well, and, it, and it's interesting to look at like the best guy in the world and then like the second best guy in the world and the third best guy in the world. Like look at all of these guys and recognize like what is consistent. You know, yep. like Thor Bjornsson is not far behind Eddie Hall when it comes to strength. But like what does he do that's different? Probably not much. He probably not lifts yeah, weights and hangs you know, out. See, the problem is he does fives. That's why he's only the second strongest <laughs> well, man in the world. Yeah, he does five. <laughs> That was a funny question. What if you do fives? I don't <laughs> Sorry, dude. And then, and then I was like, okay, maybe this is just a deadlift thing. What do you do for shoulder press? <laughs> six so reps. I do six reps. <laughs> what about bench press? Six reps. So you do sixes. Um, what, what else do you do for shoulders, Eddie? And then he hands me a 45-pound barbell and goes, do a bunch of dislocates with this. Uh-huh. Then, uh, actually, my favorite moment was he handed me two hundred kilo dead or dumbbells. <laughs> he goes warm up with a set of forty, like forty what? What? <laughs> Sit down and shoulder press that forty, t- Eddie. I can't shoulder press this once. You're Bobby Maximus. I thought you were strong. <laughs> nope. nope. I'm glad you think smiley of me. Oh my god! Wow. You know what I mean? But it's like okay, um, but that's how you get strong, right? So. It, it's the keep, keep it simple, stupid. The kiss rule makes sense, but there's there's a there's a quote I, I kind of want to wrap this this section up with. If you don't run seventy miles, oh sorry, seventy five miles a week, you don't need a running program, Joe. Right. Think about that for a second. The people that need complicated running programs for twenty miles a week. If you don't put in a minimum of seventy five miles, you do not need a program because it's not going to help you. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, if you want to nerd out on the science behind that, it's pretty clear because at that level of volume, like the, the, the place that you need to be focusing is not on the high-level stuff. You don't need to be running at complicated intervals. You don't need to be running like you know uh, particular heart rate zones. You just need to be running at that point. Just, just go to lalo.com, L-A-L-O.com, put in the code MAXIMUS50, buy yourself a pair of grinders, bloodbirds, or Zodiacs. The Zodiacs are made specifically for running and start fucking running. Yeah. That's it. The code is Maximus50, by the way. Um, and that was a completely organic sponsorship. Again, to you we're, we're the, getting good at this. By the smoothness of Bobby. <laughs> no, Joe, I mean, like, just buy your shoes and start running. Yeah. Like, it, it's funny. My wrestling coach used to say, and I used to get so fucking mad at him for this. Ray Takahashi he was his name. Ray, if you're listening, which you probably aren't because you had to listen to me enough during my <laughs> university career. And I greatly apologize for my um, attitude problems. Hopefully you listen to that. If any Western wrestling alumni are listening to it, please tell Ray to listen to my apology so I can somehow get in the Western wrestling hall of fame. I think I'm banned for life from the facility. <laughs> uh, so the head case um, caused great embarrassment to the program in public when I used to wear my wrestling wrestling stuff out and cause fights and, and, and I, I was a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Joe? Um, poor reflection. Ah, on the pro. Yes, yes. Um, so, uh, and I'll tell you a funny story about that in, in, in a minute that I think I can share with the podcast people. Um, but he used to say the hardest part of a workout was putting your shoes on. Yeah. And I like never got it. No, fuck no. It's not Ray. You know what sucks? Running 100 meter sprints to death at six o'clock in the morning. That's the hardest part. <laughs> like these stupid hour practices you put me through. That's it. No, he's right. The hardest part sometimes is just getting your shoes on and getting your ass out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so to, to wrap this thing up, Joe, I want to keep this at three today. Yeah. Keep Cause it I want these to be fast. I want them to be good. Keep it simple. So you're going to accept your failure. You're not going to make excuses. You're going to take some ownership. You're not going to blame other people. Number two, you're going to do some critical assessment. You're going to figure out why you failed so you can take steps to fix it. Mm-hmm. You have to be critical here. 
get rid of your biases. Look at the real reasons. And third, you're going to take action. That's it. Or let's, let's reverse this for dramatic effect. Deny that you ever failed. Blame everybody else because you couldn't possibly be at fault. You don't have to assess anything because clearly everyone else is an asshole and you don't have to change anything about yourself because it wasn't your fault in the first place. Easy, right? Yeah. That's the path to success. <laughs> that seems so clear. So, Joe, I want to I tell a story about my youth now about Western wrestling. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, you're going to have to, I don't know if legally we can leave this on the podcast, Sarah Azari or Tiffany Simmons. Uh, they are <laughs> the, part of my the Maximus team. podcast legal team. Please consult. Yeah, I, if you guys are listening to this, tell me if this needs to be cut or not. Uh, so Joe, uh, man, um, I went to a bar when I first got to university. I was really proud to be on the Western wrestling team. So I, I had Western wrestling short on. I was in the bar. The bar was called the wave. And uh, this person came up to me and said, do you think you're tough because you're on the wrestling team? I'm like, no. And he said some other things. And I was trying to be polite. And I got angry and threw him over a pool table. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got kicked out of the bar. And uh, it went out like an hour and a half, an hour later, two hours. I don't remember. But he was waiting for me, Joe. Wow. He was waiting for me eating a sausage on a bun. Hmm. So he goes, when I'm done this sausage, you're dead. Like, first of all, who talks like that, right? And my method of de-escalating the conflict, because I did not know Tony Blower at the time, <laughs> I, I slapped the sausage out of his hands and I go, why don't you fucking kill me right now? So he ran at me and I threw him into the sausage cart the sausage cart toppled over. The sausages went everywhere. The purveyor of the sausage cart was yelling at me. This guy was embarrassed. He ran, threw a punch at me, and I did a belly-belly to suplex, and he landed on his face. Hmm. He started going into seizures. I didn't know what to do, and I panicked, so I punched him until he stopped moving. <laughs> so, uh, it sounds so embarrassing when I tell this story out loud and you laugh at me. I, did, I just really didn't know what to do. So – I, I should have went home. I didn't. I was hanging out. Anyway, um, another thing. This guy was like five foot eight, a buck sixty. I was mm-hmm. much larger than him at the time, but he he started it anyway. They went to get their friend to beat me up. It was a guy named Shane Door, and the dude was huge, like three hundred pounds. Right. He, of course, his last name's Door, and he came to get me. They they went down to residence and brought this dude up because I was still hanging out. And he started yelling at me about how I beat up this smaller guy and blah, 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 blah. And he punched me and I kind of got angry and I threw him to the ground and monkey fisted him till he stopped moving. And then my roommate, Phil DeMart and Tommy Jackson, they pulled me off and were yelling at me, at which point I jumped on a picnic table and I ripped my Western wrestling shirt off and yelled Western wrestling rules. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, Probably a mistake. Um, and then their friend who was with them came up to shake my hand and apologize and I sucker punched him and I had to be pulled off him too. So I went home. Um, next Monday at class, I'm sitting there and there was these girls sitting beside me. I had a scar over my, my forehead. And one of the girls goes, oh my God, what happened? I go, I was in a fight at the Wave on Friday night. And all these three girls goes, you're a monster. And they went and like walked away to the other side of the classroom. I was like, oh my God, what did I do, right? So – the next class comes because we're in the same room. Do you ever do those super classes, Joe, where there's like a thousand kids in yeah. the class oh, yeah. or whatever? So the next class comes and this dude's sitting behind me and he is uh, – it looks like his face has been mangled. Like he got hit with a bat. I kept looking at him. I couldn't stop it. I felt self-conscious about looking at him so much and he approached me and said, I don't want any more trouble. <laughs> oh my god. I am like that. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry about your face. He goes, yeah, I'm sorry about causing the trouble. We actually became friends later. You know, uh, like we, he was see, an athlete. See, that's, that's, that's such a heartwarming story. I just, I love the happy ending. It was he, worth yeah. it. <laughs> he was a triathlete. We ended up becoming friends, but, um, and he forgave me. But in the, anyway, a uh, couple weeks later, the uh, head of the athletics uh, for the, like our NCAA thing was, was in town and he wanted to meet with me. 
And I really thought in my little heart of hearts that it was because I was a, uh, uh, the Western wrestling team was so happy to have me on the team, Joe. <laughs> and, then, and that this was like a welcome and it was a big deal to get to meet the chancellor of whatever. And uh, I sat down and he goes, uh, so uh, Rob, how you doing? Good, good, good. He goes, uh, so you like Western wrestling, huh? Yeah, I love it. And you're proud to be a member of Western wrestling. Yep. I'm like, yeah. And uh, you wear your gear with pride when you're not wrestling, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah. He goes, uh, did you wear it September 5th? Uh, 1997 at the wave and I'm like oh fuck um, I don't remember he goes uh, listen it's just a bad look <laughs> Western wrestling I had to go to like athlete training to learn how to better be a better student athlete after that joke <sighs> anyway if you want to know why I embarrassed Western wrestling that's why I was like one of those people well if you consider this this is you accepting your past and now probably off air you and i should sit down and maybe examine you know what we can learn from this what we can take away and nope. then uh and then we can just promise the world that you will be taking action you know what a better, I from- better ambassador you want to know what i learned from that at the time <laughs> that, that when i go out drinking and carousing and getting in fist fights i shouldn't have western wrestling stuff on and that's that's one good outcome for this. <laughs> Don't drag them down with you. <laughs> wear nondescript clothing and a balaclava. <laughs> Deny any existence. It is me. That wasn't me on that video. Uh, like the like the what's the, what's my favorite song? The Shaggy song. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, sure. It looks like you with your bald head and your Western wrestling shirt. <laughs> Not, you know. So anyway, Joe, I'm glad we could laugh. Uh, another great podcast for you guys. Please support us again. Lalotactical.com, L-A-L-O.com. Use the code Maximus50 for 50% off. Um, this is time limited. So if you're listening to this like eight months from now, I don't know if this thing is going to exist. Don't get mad at me. Don't ask for a discount. Don't call me an asshole or a liar on my email or my DMs. I get angry. And uh, 10,000.cc, use the code Maximus15. Anything else for us, Joe? Uh, make sure you check out the Maximus Inner Circle. Yeah, uh, themaximuspodcast.com. Hit the drop down, check the inner circle, uh, join it, and uh, talk to all the people. It's going to be great.